and Matt Show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. What's up, everybody? It is the Nick and Matt Show. Obviously, I say obviously. If you've never listened to us before, you don't know this, but I'm Matt, and that's Nick over there. Nick, um, what, Nick. what's with the what's with the bright white background? Dude, dude, so, so I, I figured, figured on my, on my side, side of the studio, of the studio I, would set, I would set things up differently. I'm not much of a blue person. I like the color white. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually at my girlfriend's house right now down in Virginia, and I'm using a guest bedroom that she has at her house to uh, record live in studio, which will be my temporary <laughs> studio until uh, I get every set, everything set up where uh, I'm either living right now or I got another place in mind. I won't drop too many details yet. But I have another plan, Matt. What? Eventually, I'll be looking like I'll be in studio with you, but I won't be. So. <laughs> what? What could be better than Paul McBeth's basement? I mean, it, if it's going to be better his than internet, that. that's oh. that's the only thing that could be better is his internet. <laughs> and uh, now, unfortunately, where we live, um, the internet is it's good enough to play some Xbox, have some Wi-Fi, watch TV, and everything like that. But when you're trying to do streaming like we do for the Nick and Matt show. It uh, acts a little bit more laggy. So to anyone who's watching tonight, anyone who is listening later on, hopefully my audio isn't too bad. Hopefully my quality of video isn't too bad. So I apologize in advance. But Matt and I, we're still going to give you the best disc golf podcast that y'all can get. Yeah, for sure. Nick, you know how we love the live chat usually. Uh, We've got people in here tonight already making guesses at where you might be recording in the future. So we'll just (laughs) let them keep guessing for now. Exactly. Let them keep guessing. We don't know 100% where it's going to be, but I could tell you it's going to it's going to look amazing. I'm going to make it look like I'm just I'm I'm exactly uh, sort of but instead of a I, dude sign in the background, it's going to be a it's going to be the Nick and Macho logo that used to be there. I am um, uh, it'll probably be a nice fat disc graph banner going across it. Yeah, I want to put out their topics but yeah i sent you some links today i said hey go buy these lights go do these things so like yeah. we're working yeah. on it guys um nick's nick will be up to speed here in a little bit we're glad to have everybody joining um i did not promo this show at all which is not totally normal but i wasn't 100 percent sure that nick would be able to do the show uh, yeah. down there in virginia but here we are so let's get to the topic so we're going to talk about maple hill and the reason why nick did you see the news this last week i saw the news and you know what's crazy man is i, I feel like we've never really talked about maple hill in our podcast <laughs> you know it never comes up that much i'm just kidding it comes up all the time yes i did see the article maple hill has now been voted the number one disc golf course in the world which is absolutely wild because I think last year it was voted number one course in the country, but it was voted number two course in the world. To which Yarva Disc Golf yeah. Course, Yarva Disc Golf Course. Which, if you've listened to our intro, Nick, how much would you I'd pay a hundred dollars? <laughs> I would pay a hundred bucks to go play that course, and I still hold true to that. And it's it's funny. I was listening to it, and uh, I, I I think to myself every time because I've gotten so much crap for saying that I'd pay a hundred bucks to play a disc golf course, but believe me, <laughs> for the kind of nostalgic reasons. And uh, for that course, shoot, 100 bucks to go play the number one course in the world. I can't imagine how much it costs to play the number one golf course in the world. You know what I mean? So for me to just say, yeah, I'll go pay 100 bucks to go play Yarvo. But fortunately, <laughs> you're not going to be able to, to play Yarvo. Right I know. That's I'm why, dead, that's yeah, why my understanding, and we're going to talk it out a little bit. Um, we got a guest that's actually works and is employed at Maple Hill. We'll, we'll talk to him in just a minute here. Um, but yeah people paying for courses we've had that whole topic and debate right but i think to play a world premiere course and you had one opportunity 
and again, I'm giving you these, obviously, these constraints, but you had one opportunity. I feel like, I don't want to say most people. I guess some people can't throw away $100, but I don't think it's throwing it away. Uh, we're going to talk about Maple Hill, but we're also going to talk about um, what's the storyline this year? So COVID, obviously. I, 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 yeah, I love that question. COVID was obviously... It, <sighs> There's, there's a much more detailed, obviously, storyline to last year. But COVID was the storyline last year, How, which people are sitting out, which people are playing, who's rose up, you know, above the competition of COVID. <laughs> and um, yeah. that was yeah, last yeah. year. And then, obviously, you had things like Lyme disease, like Ricky had it, Brody had it, dropping out. There's all that interesting thing. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Brody last year trying to get 1,000 rated. But what is this year? Um, what's this year's storyline, right? What what are we going to be looking at? We're going to talk about that. <clears throat> and I know Nick's I'm curious. Yeah. 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 I guess I'll kind of like hint at one of the things that I would talk about really quick is I don't know if everyone saw, but on the PDGA, they released a quick little article saying in the first time in seven years, Paul Macbeth is not rated the highest rated player in the world. Ricky Wysocki is technically right now 1054 rated. Paul is 1053. Chris Dickerson, congrats to him. Just jumped up in the 1050 club. That's insane. I think there's five 1050 rated players now with um, Ricky, Paul, Eagle, Calvin, and Chris. So that's pretty wild. But yeah, right now, Ricky holds the number one spot. So I think one of the things that I'm most curious about is who is the number one player going to be at the end of 2021? Because oh, right now, snap. it looks like one of the busiest <clears throat> disc golf seasons that's been out there. Everyone is anxious to play the world championships which right now, tentatively, it is happening. And uh, I'm that's that's one of the biggest things I'm curious about right now is, you know, how's the offseason going to pay off for a lot of these top-level pros? Because I've seen more action this offseason for how pros are reacting and how they're training than I have in any years past. So right. I'm, I'm very, very excited to see what's going on. Well, Ricky Wysocki posted, I think it was today. I might be wrong. It was in the last day yeah, or I just so. Saw him post <clears throat> he said like, hey, because Ulti World did a post today on that yep. topic. Yep. Again, we're not fully into that topic yet, but he more or less, Ricky said, and I appreciate the way that Ricky said this. He said, mm -hmm. hey, uh, more or less, I need to back that up in 2021. And yeah, that's exactly. a competitor's perspective. He's not dwelling on the look what I did. Although I'm sure in his private time, he's like, <laughs> I'm sure he's probably yeah. relishing oh, the fact. How can you not? To be able to say you're number one in the world at anything, you got to have your own little boasting time, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so that is a topic we'll get to. Um, guys, you've probably heard about guys and girls. I say that in a New England way, obviously. And Hannah's like, oh, it's no problem. You can say guys all you want. I mean, everybody, when I say guys, just like people say y'all or you, there's regionally yeah. there's interesting things i don't want to make Use, fun of anybody guys using yeah. and all this like so when i say you when i say you guys you guys <clears throat> it's a very it's a very new england thing i've, I've gotten that a lot actually okay it's a funny story really quick i used to bartend and uh one of my bosses said she's like you got to be careful when you say you guys because if you say it to the wrong girl not that i'm trying to be offensive <laughs> to it at all I'm, I'm really not meaning anything by it but when i say hey how you guys doing tonight like you know what do you want for dinner and then she's like, excuse me, like, you think I look like a male? And I'm just like, no, 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 I'm sorry. And, you know, then you got to go with the yes, ma'am. And then they get mad because when you say ma'am, you get you're calling them old. And it's just rough time. That's why I don't bartend anymore. 
Well, <laughs> that's a good story, Nick. <laughs> um, so what we're going to talk about when I say you guys, everybody, um, All-Star Weekend for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. We've been kind of talking about it here and there over the last month or two. Um, they officially announced what that's going to be. I put it in the, the YouTube, in the Facebook live stream tonight to say that, like, it doesn't involve match play. Um, last mm -hmm. week's show, let's get this out of the way now, Nick. I feel like we went around and around that topic last week of the fourth major in match play. Dude, we, we literally, we I did. think three times, I re-listened to the show and I was like, yeah. I don't want to say embarrassed, but like, yeah. it was amazing. I almost it, felt like I restarted the show again and I was like, I think we made right. that same point three times. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think one of the reasons for that is you and I, we even talked about it today before we even started up the show, is, uh, you know, I... I you know, apologize to our post audio um, people who are listening, <laughs> but I, I spend a lot of time looking at the chat. And if something comes into conversation, like a, a good question arises, I like to capitalize on that and make sure that that gets put in because, you know, it could be something really good. And uh, I think last week with how many people were commenting and just, you know, there for Simon, obviously, um, and all the questions they had with it, all, you know, all the different things they were saying, I think it was hard to not talk with them and then you just keep going back around and around and around the same topic but luckily we're not talking fourth major tonight <laughs> i'm sad to see that the disc golf pro tour all-stars is not having a match now, play nick because... nick you can't take this hot take last week of like no it's gimmicky it's no, fluky no, 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 no. I, bad I say, bad disc golf originally what i thought it was going to be for the all-star weekend was just straight up match play which i would love to see that i would love to see a good expedition uh ex exhibition just match not of at a major match play absolutely not okay. no yeah we're not rehashing not. the topic so go back and listen to last week's show um so we're actually we're going to break down what um, the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship, or not Championship, sorry, the All-Star Weekend is going to have for details to it. Like, we're going to break down, like, the doubles matchups. How would you play a different style if you know who your partner was? Like, okay, we'll just tease it out there. Like, Paul and Garrett, for instance, that type of thing. Like, what are we going to do with um, who we think are the best doubles teams? And will their styles change? Who will putt first and drive? Does that matter when you're at this level? Um, so we'll talk through that. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk through a little bit of what I think our perspectives are from the players on their response to this new news. Um, and then we can kind of talk through a little bit about what we think maybe the future years All-Star could hold. We talked about that a few episodes ago, but I think we could kind of rehash a little bit again about what the dreams and the vision and the goal could be for that. So. <clears throat> that's what we're talking about tonight. Can I tell you a quick story? Uh, and only because I am always blown away when somebody recognizes you or me as in like, I've never met them. Now I am probably experiencing it at like one tenth of a percent compared to like what, like Paul does, right? Like one tenth of 1%. <laughs> like I'm talking like yeah. nothing like, but I was driving for work. I stopped at a grocery store. I'm shopping in the grocery and everyone has masks on, right? That's at least that's in Massachusetts. I'm sure it's a lot of places. So I see somebody walk by and they've got a disc golf pro tour hoodie on. And I think it was like a Yuli um, hat. 
and I'm just like, <laughs> with my mask, I look like a robber. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, nice hoodie. Like, that's all I said. Like, as I'm like shopping, yeah. I was like, hey, nice hoodie as he walks by. He stops, turns around, and like, with my mask on, he's like, are you Matt from the Nick and Matt show? And I'm just like, uh, like, yeah. And so like, I did one of these, like, hold my breath, pull my mask down, like smile, like it's me. I pull it back up and I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, how did you recognize me? He's like, I, I, just, I watch the show sometimes. He's like, I listen to it more often on podcasts, like audio, but he's like, I watch it too. And he's like, and I recognize the kid's disc golf hat. So nice. If only you were wearing your red, red Vibram shirt. <laughs> like I'm just always that character. Yeah. I was thinking next time, next time someone says, you know, Hey, are you Matt from the Nick and Matt show? You got to practice the smile that's in the logo. You gotta be nice and giddy. Like I got to sit there, you know? Yeah. I, I think my smile is like, cause that's my part of the logo, but you got to make sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what you got to practice. Cause then people are going like, Holy crap. You really are. You really are bad. <laughs> You're the real. Yeah. So anyways, I think that's cool. Exactly. And you know what? I remember his name and I'm just going to give him a shout out. Marcus. And the way I re remember his name is there's a grocery store chain in the Northeast. I think it's only Northeast called Market Basket. And I thought it was funny because his name is Marcus. And I'm like, Marcus, Marcus is, is carrying a basket. basket. Like, yeah, Marcus yeah. Basket. Yeah. <laughs> so Marcus, thank you very much. He's been playing disc golf for a few years. He enjoys the show. So shout out. So shout out to him. Um, so that is uh, our intro here. So what we're going to do is talk about Maple Hill now. And we have a guest lined up to kind of break down the inside scoop on Maple Hill. Um, his name is Gage Benson. He is a course pro at the course. He's the guy that's there often when you're either checking in or he's driving around in one of those gator style vehicles with who knows what working on the course. He's got vision along with Steve Dodge and the other owner of the course which is uh jay uh, not jason southwick jason southwick is pyramids across the street at marshall street you got tom southwick at maple hill uh so tom southwick is the guy who owns the property like it's a christmas tree farm he's been there his mom's been there forever like since schools were like you know those small one-room schools <laughs> like she, she was back to that time yeah. so they've been in leicester a yeah. long time <clears throat> so maple hill is what we're going to talk about because UDISC, UDISC listed Maple Hill as number one in the world. So let's go ahead, bring our guest in. His name is Gage Benson. Let's talk to him a little bit about what the course is like right now with, you know, how, how much how much snow is on the course, Gage? Uh, probably, probably about, about at least, least a foot, foot, maybe, maybe two feet, feet depending, depending on, on where the trips are going. going. Wow. So yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's, 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 that's too much, too much for, me. for me. Yeah, so, yeah I haven't, I haven't played, played it at all. At all. <laughs> yeah. So let's have you introduce yourself a little bit. What do you do at Maple Hill? And um, what is it like to hear that the course that you work at um, was just given the nod for number one in the world via UDISC? Uh, so what I, what do, I do at Maple Hill, Hill is I'm basically the guy, the guy. I, I build, build the tags and pick up sticks and weed whack and, 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 and cut the grass and, and take out the trash and, and basically, basically everything, everything under the sun, sun as much as, as, much as, as I can when I can. I can. And uh, what it means, number one, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It means a lot to me and everybody around me, that's for sure. Yeah, oh, that, that's awesome. I think <clears throat> coming from Maple Hill has always been revered as one of the most incredible tour stops from what it used to be a national tour into now being a pro tour. Um, I think 
it's safe to say that a lot of pros have always loved coming back to Maple Hill. There's the, you know, throwing over the water on hole one to hanging out at the sap house and playing some games, playing ping pong against Tom Southwick. You know, there's incredible things to do at Maple Hill. And there's also jumping in the pond when you win the tournament. And so I think for a lot of New Englanders, even just being volunteers at an event or even playing an event there, there's just a kind of awesome feeling. But then gauge behind the scenes, you know, we we really underappreciate how much people do for a course when you're not the one doing it. And so for Gage to be able to go out there and spend most of his days as a full-time job and cleaning up the course so that that week that the pros do come into town, it looks as immaculate as it does. I think everyone would say kudos to anyone who does course designing, but for Gage to do that and build up the course to be the number one course in the world, pretty insane. Yeah, so how long have you how long have you been at the course, uh, Gage? Uh, I've, this is my sixth season at Maple Hill. Six season. Six season. Right. So, a, so how did it officially my full time job? Okay. So that's, that's incredible. Not very many people. I think it's a very, very low percentage of people that say their job is full time disc golf. Um, can you tell us how that came to be, um, six years ago? I mean, did you start disc golfing long before that? What was it like for you to get into disc golf? What was it like to become all of a sudden hired at Maple Hill? Okay, um, I've been playing disc golf maybe about 10 years now, I believe. And I obviously started at Buff. That's how I actually met, you know, you two guys playing at Buffenville. And mm -hmm. I always heard about this course where you had to throw over a big pond on hole one. And being from Buffenville, I, I wasn't afraid to throw over a pond. So I was like, all right, you know, let's go check it out. And um, I remember the first time I played Maple Hill, I was – Absolutely not, because up until this point, I didn't know there was a pro league. I didn't know there was pros. I, I didn't know any. It was just kind of like a casual thing to me. When I walked off Maple Hill, I, I knew that disc golf was something bigger than I had known at the time. And Dave Jackson, who worked the store, I, I asked him probably about a million one questions. He told me at the time Maple Hill was the final stop of the national tour. And I went home and, and, and researched as much as I possibly could and i've probably been addicted ever since mm -hmm. <laughs> addicted ever since so yeah. you so you got hired at maple hill um and what was your first what was your first task do you remember when you got hired at maple hill yeah so when i got hired it i kind of i played there all the time so basically they gave me a membership and then the following season i got hired there you know you know i knew the right people and I was just so I was just supposed to weed whack eight to ten hours a week. That's all I was supposed to do, and that's all I did for the first year and a half, maybe two years. But I I weed whacked as best I possibly could for those eight to ten hours. I gave it my all for those eight to ten hours, and eventually it just grew, you know, into something bigger than what I thought it was ever going to be. So so what does we're going to get into a little bit about um, what's going on at Maple Hill currently, like. Hearing that it's number one is obviously inspiring, but what has the course Maple Hill, what does it mean to you? Um, and what does it mean to you to arrive at a place where you're working full-time in disc golf? I think it's probably something pretty special. Uh, yes. I, I mean, it, it, it literally is my life. Uh, there's been time I'm getting, I get emotional sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Cause um, I, I worked eight years at UPS, the most miserable eight years I've ever worked in my life. 
And uh, I knew that wasn't me. And I remember the day I quit to pursue disc golf. I cried. One, because I didn't know if it was going to work out. But two, because I knew this is what I wanted to do in my life. And then not even two years later, I'm, I'm full-time salary at Maple Hill. We're number one in the world. And I'm ready to take it to the top, even higher. Okay, well, that's perfect. So, and obviously, Nick, if you've got something to say, you can say it here in a minute. I, I wanted to ask this question. You said it take it higher. First of all, you can tell that you put your heart into it. You know, emotion does speak pretty loud often to what is going on internally. And so it obviously means a lot to you. Um, mm -hmm. And leaving UPS must have been one of those decisions, any life decision where you're changing something that is pretty routine for you. And it's the way that you've come to survive and changing mm -hmm. it is pretty, pretty significant jump. Did you feel like coming to Maple Hill was a significant life change where it was, whether it was scary or exciting, what were the feelings that you had making that jump? Um, you know, cause it, at the time when I made the jump, it, a full-time position wasn't available at Maple Hill. Um, I had other opportunities through disc golf that, you know, to make ends meet. The scary part was there was no fi financial security. There was no security. Um, that was the scary part. The exciting part was is I'm finally doing what I wanted to do, and, I, and I'm waking up happy because I'm going to the job that I want to be working at. You know what I mean? That was yeah. my main concern. I, I wanted to wake up happy. I wanted to go work with people who I like, and I wanted to make money enjoying, enjoying myself while doing it. Just, oh, absolutely. I can 100% yeah. relate to that. I mean – I worked in the drilling and blasting industry for the last three years. And then finally, I was like, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm quitting this. I'm going down to Virginia where I got a lot of friends and I got, you know, some very, very close friends. And believe me, I can wake up now a lot happier than I was before, you know, especially during the rough seasons. So, mm -hmm. yeah, being able to pursue something that you love, that's an incredible thing. And kudos to you for quitting a job that did have that financial security going into a job that didn't have financial security, but now showing who you are as a worker and who you are as a person and being able to develop. Now, like you said earlier, you are a salaried employee with Maple mm -hmm. Hill. You know, that's, that's a pretty incredible jump. Cause I don't think in years past, like I know Dave Jackson worked there part-time, maybe full-time, but you know, other than that, people have kind of gone in and out work part-time stuff like that. It's never really yeah, been a full-time thing. I don't know. I don't know what other people's, you know, contract yeah. or anything was. I, I just know that uh, two weeks ago, Ryan and I signed a 12-month salary contract with Maple Hill. So we get paid 12 months out of the year for Maple Hill. And uh, that feels awesome. It feels good, man. Shout out to Steve Dodge and Tom Southway. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Okay, so you mentioned a second ago, and I want I don't want to miss it. Because Maple Hill does play what what are the probably if you had to give three things that makes Maple Hill in your mind sets it apart to be number one. There's there's gotta be. It can be tangible or intangible, meaning like something that's physical or something that's just experienced. But what's your top three? Why is Maple Hill number one? Top three, um it has to be just the overall nostalgia of the course. You know, for us, we might take it for granted. You know, but as a guy who works there and sees people who sees the course for the first time, they're just just dropped absolutely in awe because of, you know, these pros has, you know, always put Maple Hill at the top of their, you know, 
favorite courses, and there's been very historic moments of it coming down to the wire on hole 18, and just there's a lot of nostalgia there that I think carries over into people's experience. So when they go there, they feel that nostalgia, that experience, and I think that's probably the number one reason why Maple Hill is probably number one because that's that's something you can't you can't buy that you know that that's built over time. Yeah, you know. You can't buy that. So Maple Hill is ahead of the game as far as nostalgia and history being built. Um, and I know there's other courses out there that probably have more money invested and, and you know, smarter people building better things. And, and they're going to be better courses. I know that. But as far as the nostalgia, you know, that's something you can never take away that Maple Hill has. Mm-hmm. For sure. So that's, that, I, I yeah. think in my opinion, and I know people didn't come here to hear my opinion on this topic. They want to hear from you, Gage, but is that nostalgia, the, what has happened, the history of that course, for sure. That has to be number one because last year, and if anyone's interested last year, we did bring on Steve Dodge to discuss mm-hmm. a little bit about the course. Why is it, why was it number two at the time? And, um, mm-hmm. So he gave similar opinion and he said, that's probably number one as well. The reason why the course is so rated so high is because of the history of what's there, because it, and this is not downplaying the course, um, really the course layout per se, but there are some places that would boast maybe better tee pads or better. Everything's grass fairways through the woods and all that, right? People are going to have their preferences. Mm -hmm. People will have their preferences, but, um, as so discussed, you said a little bit ago, you said like, Hey, we're number one. And you gave a real, uh, I want to say like a competitor, a champion's mindset of like, but we're going to keep going to make it better. What are some ideas? What are some ideas uh, as I see you nodding on camera that, um, you think will take it to another level? Like, what are some ideas, visions that you have some goals that maybe you have set out? All right, my my I my number one is I want to make a non-slippable tee pad. When Kevin Jones went down, my heart sunk. I promise, my heart sunk. Thank God he aced it on hole sixteen. <laughs> Thank God yeah. he aced it. Yeah. Because so I I want to somehow you know make the tee pads a little bit more uh, I guess you could say grippy and a little less slippable. Yeah. Um, Take out that wood. Are you talking yeah, about? Are you so yeah, are you talking about like actually more or less inventing a new idea for a tee pad because there's a lot of ideas out there or what do you what do you mean when you say that? So I'm kind of I want to experiment with I think it's grip tape I guess. You put grip tape on the front of the the wooden on the wood so when okay. the foot the wood it doesn't slide off it hits the grip tape kind of mm-hmm. cuz what happens when the wood gets wet it's pressure treated so the water stays right on top of the wood. Yep. But it's almost it leaves no traction at all. So when that foot hits the wood, you're going down. And that's one thing I want to prevent, you know, going further. Okay. So tee pads would, you're saying if you made a tee pad, that was like perfect, obviously. And, and, um, so Nick mentioned the wood, is that something at Maple Hill that you're aware of that will change at some point? Cause I know some of them do have wood wrapped around them and some of them have that landscaping uh plastic i don't know what to call it where it actually presses up like in an l bracket shape that holds the pavers in place um is are there changes coming for all the t-pads i know you're always upgrading but like what changes are coming for t-pads so right now we're gonna we're gonna stick with the wood we're gonna try the grip thing my my the the plastic frames don't last forever i noticed that the plastic frames eventually break out 
So the, the wood frames is more like a longevity thing. Uh, it's just how we can make that better. So I think if we can prevent people from stepping on the wood and slipping on the wood, then we, you know, we uh, improve the teapad, I guess you can say. I've always yep. liked it. Yeah, I see. I like the paper teapads. There are some of them there um, where there's gravel around them that is always not the best thing. Like it's kind of slippery sometimes, especially if there's a lot of traffic playing the course that day. Causes yeah. a lot of gravel on the tee pads, but that's that's a whole different thing. I think with the wood, exactly like Gage is saying, it's pressure treated wood to where it does get slippery when it's wet. And the grip tape, hopefully that grip tape idea works. The one of the best things is, you know, in our sport, people have to be mindful of, you know, calling foot faults on other players. It sucks. Yes, I know, but if make the wood not good. If that wood is technically if it's there to hold the tee pad in place. Mm -hmm. wood's no good like you're not technically supposed to land on the wood and um so i think that's one thing hopefully players will start kind of like because the last bricks or whatever you guys use for the pavers is usually a different color than the rest of them and so mm -hmm. you kind of know like hey don't step that far like take it almost a foot back if you take it a foot back you won't slip the way kevin jones did the pavers yeah. themselves i actually love the petite pads i've never had an issue with them unless i hit the wood so that's just my two cents on that. Um, we, we, uh, me and Steve have actually talked about that. Wood is no longer good, and, and that's how we're going to go forward. Just, oh. just to kind of help, you know, prevent, try yeah. to prevent it. Interesting. What's funny? What, yeah. What's funny about that too is because hole four, okay, the little downhill. If you're playing blues and gold, if you stand on the wood, there's a little hyzer gap that you can hit to go down to the basket. It doesn't always solidify it too, but I get more deuce opportunities than if I go straight down the middle. So now that the wood's not good, that potentially, I'm not living there anymore, but that potentially <laughs> is taking out that route, which that hole is designed for people to go straight down the middle. So I kind of like two, that. Yep. <laughs> two thoughts. One is, that was an exclusive that I've heard, first heard. Wood is not good at Maple Hill, or it won't be. Um, the other thought I had was based off of, um, I'm having a brain freeze. It was based off the idea that, I thought I would speak. Oh, when Kevin Jones um, slipped and fell. First of all, I was standing there and watched it, and it was brutal. Like, I actually have the sound. Yeah. I've got the sound in my head of, like, the body hitting the ground. Like, it was pretty, and it was pretty bad. bad. So, but that's what I wanted to ask you about is what was that like? Having literally the most viral disc golf video to date, and I think it even beat out um, – the Philobatross, okay, which was yeah. like incredible. How was it? Like two things. Obviously, Maple Hill. It's exciting to be featured, like all over the world. <laughs> and it's also, did you guys have like cringing? Like, yes, but everybody's watching how somebody slips on our T pad. Like that's the most viral that was, video. That was me. That was me, hundred percent. I don't know how Steve felt. I can't speak for him, but this the second I saw the video of him falling down, all I could think was, thank God he aced it. Because if he didn't, all people would be talking about is him falling. You know, even though they still talk yeah. about him falling. Um, and I remember within an hour or two, I was talking to Nate Perkins and Dustin Keegan on, you know, what I could do to prevent that and, you know, in the future. Interesting. So I think that that must have been an interesting thing. I texted Steve Dodge right as the ace happened. Like, I was like, Steve has... Hole 16 ever been aced before? And I was like, because Kevin Jones just did it. And Steve, I'll, I'll edit it for him. But he said, holy bleep. 
<laughs> that was his response yeah. to me in a text. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He, I'm like, he fell down. And then he's like, oh, no. Like, is he okay? Like, yeah, that's obviously as a course designer owner. And then you as a worker, that's obviously something you guys are invested in and care about. Um, so, yeah, I think Maple Hill's got a lot of hope. People are wondering, I'm seeing in the chats, how many disc chargers do you have to uh, clean up every year? What do you think? There's a lot of disc chargers at Maple Hill? Uh, I would say I see probably about three. That's a high number, though. Yeah. That's a high number. <clears throat> Interesting. We usually, you know. Why do you think there's yeah. so few, um, I'll say vandalism. Why do you think there's so small amount of vandalism at uh, Maple Hill? You know, because it's a it's a pay-to-play course, it typically, I don't want to say rip-rap, but, you know, they don't want to pay money to go play disc golf. They just want to go in the woods and cause mischief. So typically, mm -hmm. they're not, the, the rip-rap isn't coming to Maple Hill. You know, usually the good, respectable disc golfers are coming to Maple Hill or somebody's traveling in from God knows where from around the world to visit Maple Hill and they don't want to damage anything. So yeah, people are exactly. pretty respectful of, of the place. I think I, I, I kind of hope that one day this goes to all areas of the disc golf world is don't vandalize people's property, especially on a pay to play course, even a free course. Don't, don't write disc chargers. Don't write your ACE, your ACE on the, uh, the pole or whatever is the T sign. I, I could see one day a course having a specific bench, like a picnic table set up for people. Like say, say you get to hold 18 at whatever private course, anyone who comes there, sign your name, do something like that. If you ace the hole, sign the bench or whatever, but don't, mm -hmm. you know, if, if a course doesn't allow for that, don't write disc chargers. They're <laughs> the dumbest thing. One of the dumbest things. In disc I golf. think they're dumb. Don't vandalize. Don't, don't vandalize people's hard work, you know? Mm -hmm. Can we, and some people are going to hate me. I've been around the sport long enough. I feel like I have a little bit of a leg to stand on. I think they're dumb because of the vandalism side of it. If we didn't call it vandalism, meaning it was somewhere where it wasn't vandalism, like I think it's a humorous idea. And the first time I ever saw it, I was like, some guy's like creatively genius, like a disc charger. Like, it, it, yeah. But like the vandalism it, part it, of it. it yeah, the vandalism part of it kills it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Uh, maybe we can sell. Maybe I can, with my 3D printer, I can print out some, like, fake dischargers. You put them in your bag, you know, like, that way people don't there have to go. do it on the course. Hey, that's an idea. Don't, exactly. no one yeah. steal my idea. No one there steal you know, my no, idea. No one had that idea before Matt does it. <clears throat> it will have, like, a little light on it with a button and a battery. Like, <laughs> no, That's cool. Anyways. I, I actually had a question. Yeah, for go you. ahead, Nick. What do you think... Besides for the T-pads, I know you're talking about you want to, you know, figure out the slip issue. What mm -hmm. else at Maple Hill? Because you're at the top right now. You're the number one course in the world. And the only way to top that is to go back to back. So mm -hmm. I think we all understand that. What is another area in which you think you could improve on to make sure that you go back to back number one course in the world? Uh, so we we have like a meeting between everybody that works at Maple Hill at Maple Hill at the end of every year. And we decided that our white layout skill level is too far from our red level skill level. So we want to make our white layout, I don't want to say easier, but more closer to the skill level of red than it is to blue right now. Mm -hmm. And I think with that, um, our customer base will be more willing and free to like Play the white layout. Not only that, we're constantly mm -hmm. updating and and reinventing things, which is another cool thing to you know stay on top of the 
world, I guess. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think just off the top of my head, if I was to, to dream, if you will, for Maple Hill, um, mm -hmm. and I know COVID threw a pretty hard stop on a lot of the stuff that would happen in the pro shop, but yes, an offering of food, which they're pretty good at doing, but bringing that back yeah. in a full capacity, because I think the experience that people have on a course is what really kind of starts to set it aside for sure. I think, you know, oh God, yeah. yeah, all tee pads for every layout being like solid. There's just a few, right? That I think that's probably something you guys are going to probably be working on. You just mentioned that the mm -hmm. layout changes, mm -hmm. the variety of layouts. Um, I don't know. I mean, the tea times even make it have a feeling. The, the tea times is, is my favorite thing. Um, you know, before the experience for somebody on a Saturday could be not good, you know, cause oh, you show up yeah. on a Saturday It'd be 25 people waiting to tee off on hole one with groups all over the place. And it was just a uh, circus almost. But now with tee times, it's organization. You have your tee time and it makes the experience for the customer, especially on the weekends in the summer, you know, a lot more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. For sure. So I'm excited for you guys over there at Maple Hill. We had Steve Dodge on last year. We're having you on this year. If we do, if there's a, you were second last year. I know you guys are pushing for first. Steve said it. He's like, hey, that's not good enough. We want first. What courses are yeah. coming? What courses are coming for you? Hillcrest up in PEI, Canada. Um, I've played there and it is phenomenal. Like in dreamland, like you're walking grass fairways through the woods, like Hobbit style yeah. holes. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. Do you know how much we beat out Hillcrest by? No, I don't. Well, give us the down low if you have it. Uh, Hillcrest had a 97.67 UDIS rating, and our UDIS rating was a 97.71. So we beat, we beat them out by 0 .04. So less than half a point. Um, yeah. Less than half a point we beat out Hillcrest. Dang. And you have to believe that people up at Hillcrest are trying just as hard as you guys saying like, Hey, we need more people to rate us. We need all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. it's not going to be mm -hmm. easy to stay number one. Um, I, I know no matter what, it is a destination course. You're going to be out there. You're still there. You're full time, but I mean, you're going to be out there all year yep. making it better. Um, is there mm -hmm. anything, is there anything you want to sign off with any inside scoops beyond that? Like what's happening? You kind of gave us a lot. Is there anything else? Shout outs or anything like that before uh, we let you go? As far, I mean, I'm hoping if there's any pros out there that are stopping by, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on making 17 harder this year. That's all I want to say. Very nice. Very nice. I think that's one thing for the pro layout. I think that is something that does need to change this whole 17 is uh, it's a very under par hole, especially for anyone who can throw over 400 feet. So yeah, to make that harder and have more of a, hopefully more of a scoring separation going mm -hmm. to those last few holes. You know, I think, you know, hole 18 obviously is an incredible hole at Maple Hill from any tee pad. Just having that island green um, makes it an incredible hole. And then hole 17 though, if you can have that be kind of a, game changer almost like a not a whole 17 at winthrop but something that has a lot of a stroke differential to it i think that that'd be great for that gold layout i'm, I'm gonna try that's just short okay yeah. so he's Love gonna try game. they're talking specifically gold layout it's an easy it's an easy par four i even i get the birdie often <laughs> and i can only throw yeah. like 375 max um so inside 
in signing off, Gage, would you mind mm-hmm. saying for us, park the car in Harvard Yard? Oh, God. Why is the sun in the chat going on? Yeah, there yeah, there may or may not be. Like Minnesota, who has no idea what you're saying half the time. So, hey, park, park the car in Harvard Yard. There you go. There you go. Park the car in Harvard Yard. So, like, people are. Park the yes, car in Harvard Yard. The chat earlier was like, love his accent. I love it. So, I don't know where oh. they were chiming in from, but they, they liked it. Yeah. So, th- there you go. What do you got, Nick? Really quick, Gage, there's a green disc behind you. Someone in the chat earlier, I saw it really quick, wanted to know on the windowsill, what do you got? What are the three discs on the windowsill? This is uh, Dutch Napier's H3. He signed it to me. I don't know if it's in the camera view. Yep, yep. Dutch Napier. Um, do you guys know Mr. Disc Golf, Mike Salt? Yes. Oh, yeah. When he ran a tournament, Pyramids Invasion, I won that. Matt, I think you're on the lead card with me. Come on. You're, there you go. Look at that. Gage, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, yeah. I totally forgot about that. But yeah, I was on the lead card. That was like probably one of your last AM tournaments. <laughs> my second or la- my second or third last AM tournament. I'm pretty yeah, sure I bombed that. I literally bombed that round like bad. And I was <laughs> like, oh, well. <laughs> Great memories. Very nice. Last but not least, Matt Dalla, when he was on Lad 264, he signed it for me. To the home, we always keep grinding. Oh, yeah. It's a couple cool, cool. days. Love to see it. Some people were asking about them. So love to see it. Love to see some of the local pros, some of the touring pros, giving some shout-outs and everything like that. So, Gage, we really appreciate it. Where can – just a quick little, you know, humble brag to yourself. Where can people find you on Instagram, Facebook, anything like that? Oh, where I can appreciate keep it. up to date? Uh, Gage Benson on Facebook. And YouTube and then Instagram is uh, let him disc L E T E M D I S C let him disc. Awesome, we really appreciate it very much, Gage Benson. I will see you soon. Next time I'm up in Massachusetts playing Maple Hill, probably. Hold on, take it hey, easy, hold bro. on, hold on. Yeah, before before you go, what's it gonna take to get the Nick and Matt show streaming inside of the pro shop? What is this? This this show is obviously this episode is gonna be up, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that should be yeah. hard. That shouldn't be hard. I mean, it could Love feature it. Gage Benson on the large screen TV in the pro shop. It'd be perfect. So, and, and people. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's not hard at all. Oh, there no. you go. Cool. Every week. Sounds good. Every week. All right, man. We appreciate it. Um, we'll catch up with you again later. Um, have a good evening and keep up the good work at Maple. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work, Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. Take it all easy. Right. Be good. Bye. All right, everybody, that was Gage Benson. He is the guy that does a lot of investment at the course. Um, You'll see him driving around, I mean, sweating, covered in grass, uh, but also working in the pro shop a lot of times, um, doing whatever it takes to bring that course to the level that it needs to be at. To only win, Nick, by half a point, or not even half a point, is is Maple Hill going to be able to hold on to number one next year? You know, being uh, someone who's local from there, that being one of my main home courses, uh, I hope they stay number one. I think there's a lot of courses that are going to give good contention to that course. Um, I, I've always wanted to play, what'd you say it was Hillcrest, the Prince Edward Island, uh, Prince Edward Island yep. one? I've always wanted to play that. I was actually just watching that coverage not too long ago, and uh, it does look like a really fun course to play. One of the biggest things about Maple Hill, though, is they have those water shots. That there's a lot of great courses out there, but they don't have the water shots that Maple Hill has. And not obviously not everyone loves to throw over water. I know it's not the greatest thing in disc golf, but 
to have that cool feeling of clearing the water on hole one, whether it be from the whites, blues, diamonds, or gold layout, it's a pretty great feeling. Yeah, I've played up there at Hillcrest. Not to take the whole topic that way, I told you I was blown away. There's a few shots that play to water, one that if you're throwing hard plays over water, but there's a layup shot so you don't have to. I mean, it it's not Maple Hill, but yeah. but I'm telling you, when you get up there, you'll understand why it's number two. Um, mm -hmm. But what's interesting, and it's worth at least it's worth giving somewhat of a shout out to these other courses that aren't making this list. There are some insane courses out in this world. Like I'll see pictures oh, yeah. and I'll be like, how is this not even in the top hundred? It's almost as if obviously you just use ratings from their app. And then they do whatever algorithm or however they figured out, they weight the, the ratings so that it's not overdone for courses that just have a million people just yeah. constantly hitting five stars. But yeah. I think there's still courses out there that will be yet to show up. And the, the world of disc golf is just getting greater and greater as far as courses are concerned. Yeah, I have a, a cool story about a course that I played recently. And uh, it'll come out. There's a foundation video going to be coming out in the near future about this course. But it's a Paul Macbeth design course. It is actually where they're having the Battle for Bedford A tier, uh, excuse me, tournament. I think it's a B tier this year. Um, $10,000 out of cash right after the MVP open in September. Um, I played this course called New London that Paul designed. And through 18 holes, I didn't have a single birdie. <laughs> I, had a I had a couple birdie looks at it. But man, the holes are hard. And when you're playing it blind and you're just kind of like, for me, I was kind of playing for par, and then every so often, if I was off the fairway, man, it was hard to get up. How many down. birdies do you That's... usually get at Maple Hill? I'm just like in an average round. How many birdies? Maple Hill, you know, are we talking golds layout? Yeah. If we're talking the golds layout, I'll probably get anywhere from, let's say, I'll probably get anywhere from three to five birdies okay. on average per <laughs> round, but it's very easy to also get three to five, three to seven <laughs> bogeys per round it's you know, true with all the ob so, yes you know someone in the chat just this, asked like what's the average am shoot on the hardest layout and i'm gonna say the par 60 right on gold Ooh. yeah so, so it's, i'm, I'm gonna say the, average the am 59 average oh yeah, so average, average am is probably shooting 12 13 or 14 over all the way up to 18 yeah. over par i was gonna say the average am like if you if you're so i'll say this in 2018 i'd won the am side tournament and I shot a very comfortable 65 my last round, which then was five over because of the elevated basket on hole nine. And um, that was obviously a round that wasn't great, but it's all I needed to do to win the tournament. But honestly, if you're having a bad round, you're going to shoot in the 70s very easily there. There's OB on a lot of holes. There's water carry on a lot of holes. And uh, yeah, if, you, if you're not having a good round shoot, you're going to shoot you're going to shoot 67 or more very easily. Yeah. So we have somebody. That's true. It, I, I more often than not, if I was to give my average, unfortunately, my average is usually a 72, which is like 12 or 13 over my what yeah. I would like to shoot would be anywhere from a 65 to a 67, which yeah. is still seven or eight over par. But that to me is good. We have someone that actually said they are from, I think, PEI. They said disc golf is strong this winter here on PEI. Hillcrest is seasonal, but Huckett is a great course as well, which is another course in that local area. I've played both of them. Uh, Hillcrest nice. is just, it trumps it just based off of um, yeah. the environment of the course. It just, it, Hill, Huckett is brand new. So, okay, off nice. of that topic, storyline this year, Nick. Um, I feel like there's a few names to drop that are worth talking about. 
I would be interested in the chat's oh, yeah. perspective on this. Um, so is is Ricky Wysocki back? I know he said he's like uh, Saki Bomb is back after Leadstone this last year when he won. Um, mm-hmm. But eh, and obviously he's number one rated in the world. But I feel like the feeling has been that he hasn't been performing to his abilities, even winning Leadstone. I didn't feel like yeah. it was him. And I don't know why I didn't feel like it was him running away with it. I felt like the other players weren't keeping up, which I guess that's glass half full, glass half empty thing where maybe it was him running away with it. But my perspective was different. So is it going to be Ricky? Is it going to be Paul, you know, back with a force like we saw him a few years ago? Um, How about, you know, who's going to challenge Paige Pierce? I feel like Haley King. Is that a story for this year? It definitely should be a story. I'm hoping. Yeah, shoot. Believe me, I'm hoping I'm rooting for Haley King all the way. Uh, Paige Pierce is obviously Paige and Haley are both Discraft teammates, Missy Gannon as well. And um, I'm obviously rooting for all three of them. But Haley and I are pretty good friends. Uh, I do love to see kind of the underdog, the young gun making their name in the sport. So I would love to see Haley King just come out there with a fire. And I know she's been working very hard this offseason. I saw a post the other day where she says she feels the most athletic, like she actually feels like an athlete now. So I'm very excited to see how she comes out and competes at these big stops. And one of the, you know, the first stop of the year going to Vegas, it's it's a big course. It's a lot of distance drives. And, you know, Haley and Paige both, they drive the disc far. They're both incredible putters. I would argue that Haley has the best putting form and could potentially be the best putter this year. Um, Was last so, year. I yeah. don't want to use the word fluke. I'm just being real. And Haley, if you're listening, you know we both love you. <laughs> We're sports talk. Yeah. I, I'm going to use the word fluke, but I don't mean it in a negative way towards her. I mean it in a, a realistic is what happened there at the end of the year. Obviously, I don't want to use the word fluke. Maybe that's not the right word. She had to perform at a high level to do it. I guess what I'm saying is, will she continue to do that? Is there anything that's showing us that she's going to continue I'm trying to remember she had some good pushes this last year besides the championship. Yeah. GMC. Uh, GMC. Yep. Yeah. GMC was an incredible tournament. It came down. I think the last three or four holes, she was in it the whole time. It might've even been two or three holes that she was in it the whole time. You should have seen her putt in hole 17 at Fox run. It was friggin' insane. It was like 90 feet out downhill. It got it actually on the ulti world shot of the year. It's the number one shot of the year was um, Haley's putt. It was insane. So, but, yeah, so I definitely, I def- mm-hmm. that's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that's a storyline to watch. And uh, someone else, oh, you yeah. know, commented Calvin, which I mentioned earlier. I think I, I, oh, I should say this. I was blown away by the performance Calvin put on this last year. Like, yeah, sleeper, yeah, awesome. like insane, not a full, you know, big animated character guy that you see regularly, you know, on the top card. Yeah. It didn't seem, but he performed so well. I think even uh, Ulti World, I think they gave him their player of the year. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And he he had an incredible year. He's an incredibly gifted disc golfer. The funny thing about Calvin is you don't hear what he's doing in the offseason. You know, Paul posts what he's doing in the offseason. Ricky posts what he's doing in the offseason. Like those guys, you see what's going on. You see the hustle that they're putting into it. You know, Calvin might not have played around since the Pro Tour Championships or Calvin's been playing and grinding every single day. We really don't know. <laughs> so I think that's kind of the fun thing. That's a cool storyline. How is, about how is Calvin going to be this year? Yeah. And I'm just trying to pump them all out there. I know you got somewhere to be yeah. tonight, but yeah. is, um, 
What about James Conrad? I feel like last year, James Conrad was kind of, I don't want to say on the decline, but he wasn't performing like we saw the year previous. So, but is that related to, he wasn't fully happy, fully happy with where he was. So maybe that was part of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Are we going to see something change with him going to MVP? And will he reclaim the MVP title this year? Yeah, exactly. I uh, nice one. <laughs> I um I definitely think that he probably had a ton of mental boundaries that he had to push through last year. Just clearly not being in the right headspace with Innova. They might have left on great terms. You know, we don't know that. We don't know the ins and outs of how he left Innova. But obviously, it was his free agency year. He knew he had a big decision to make in the off season. And to be honest, I think he made an incredible decision. I'm very excited to see what James is gonna do throughout this year. And um, I'm curious because MVP has been slowly picking up some players. And now with the James Conrad signing, signing obviously he's a U.S. major winner. Um, I'm curious to see how he, you know, throws the MVP discs. I think it'll be, that's another great storyline. How's For James sure. Conrad going to do? How about, that is a good one. How about um, Chris Dickerson? Rated, what is he, 1,050 now? He's just four 10, points. 50, just like, finally hit the 1050 club. And I think the kids, I think the dude's been playing, you know, for years and years now. And everyone knows Chris Dickerson, but if for some odd reason, if you don't know him, he doesn't really do a lot of West Coast traveling. He doesn't like to fly. He said it before on our podcast, but um, he doesn't do too much of the West Coast stuff. I think this year he is going to branch out a little bit more, but Chris Dickerson is dominant in the woods. He's a very, very controlled player. He won the USCGC last year, um, came second place at the Pro Tour Championships. So Chris is a filthy good player in the woods, filthy good player, just all around incredible putter. And, sign, you know, I know he's in a um, in the middle of a three-year contract, I think, with Prodigy at the moment. Obviously, things between them are going well. So uh, after Chris winning the US, you know, USDGC, I think he will have a good year. I'm curious to see if he's going to have a great year, though. Right. And so the storyline that I'm seeing is right. U.S. champion. He's branching out to travel a bit more. Is that a storyline? Obviously, it is a storyline to watch. But are we going to see something amazing there? Now, before we move into our final topic, I do want to say I've left out some good players. That's not to say that they aren't going to have a storyline, but I'm leaving out Kevin Jones because I felt like Kevin Jones, and this will fire him up, hopefully, if he sees this, performed really good all last year. Like, he, perfor- I actually picked him for MVP Open, which is crazy in my mind, but I did. Hey, maybe I picked that he was going to get the most viral ace ever. <laughs> like, that happened. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, but I'm leaving him out because I feel like as good as he was, I didn't see anything that was, like, saying he's still ramping up. It was kind of like he's playing super good and just, like, staying that way. Whereas we saw Calvin ramping up. We saw um, Chris Dickerson ramping up. Um, so I think that's why I was bringing up these other players for, for the storyline, um, not because the others aren't playing well, just because I think it's something to watch for. Um, I think... I think that's really it. I mean, I'd be interested to see, and maybe we take one minute on this, the uh, Manduahano sisters um, with their change up of sponsorships. Are we going to see, and I don't mean any offense to anybody by this, and maybe I shouldn't give disclaimers, but like, are we going to see something significant out of them? They're good players, but are we going to see top card finishes or is that not this year, Nick? No, I think, I think Valerie, I'm pretty sure... 
uh, it was Worlds this year, I think, or Worlds. I got to think now. Hold on. Obviously not 2020 Worlds. I'm talking 2019 Worlds. Um, I think 2019 Worlds, Valerie had gotten top five or top six or seven with her being on the lead card for a round or two. And so I do think that there are multiple lead card finishes by Valerie. I'm hoping uh, Valerie's a friend of mine. I've met her before last year when I was down in Texas. Um, her and Alexis are very, very nice people. And so, um, yeah, I think both of them have been doing a ton of work. I'm very curious to see because Valerie was just promoted to the star team with Innova this year. And also Alexis had just switched over to Discraft. And so I'm very excited to see how Alexis throws a Discraft discs. I know she's been loving the ESP plastic. And um, I'm very curious to see, one, what is Valerie's uh, tour series disc going to be? And I do think that there are some incredible finishes by both of them. So there are storylines out there. Obviously, there's going to be people commenting later or chatting now saying we've missed some big storylines. Uh, things like Brody yeah, oh yeah. obviously being left out of that. That will be a storyline. Um, and then I'm sure there will be, and I'm excited for this every year. What about like Calvin Klein? That kid was blowing like up, like in a good I mean, way. Ky Ky Kyle Klein. Calvin Klein. No, I think a, I said uh, Kyle Klein. Yeah, he, Skype's messing no, up like, audio for you. Said Calvin. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did. But he's he was demonstrating <laughs> abilities like Calvin that we hadn't yep. seen before. Yep. So yep. there's a lot of leftover storylines out there. Um, so... Yeah, that's funny. People are laughing at Kyle Klein or Calvin. I don't know what I said. I'll have to listen yeah, back yeah, to later. Yeah. But yeah. that's on that topic, guys. I hope you got your brains thinking, getting excited for this year. And that leads us into the first competition we're going to see live streamed on the Disc Golf Network is coming up on February. I think it's 20th at Fountain Hills. Um, we're going to see the Disc Golf Pro Tour All-Star Weekend, which if you haven't heard of it, before it's because it's never happened before <laughs> and if you haven't heard of it recently it's because it's been it's been kind of on the down low for a while because they announced it at florida happening at florida um and i think the orlando area and now it is moved to uh fountain hills in arizona so because yep, of that they uh with a different layout yeah the and Fountain hills had out yeah i i guess where i'm getting to is we didn't hear about it for a while because I think they were probably trying to figure everything out because things were changed up with COVID. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's, it's very unpredictable what's going on in the disc golf world right now. Obviously we do have a couple set events that we definitely know is, is a go. And uh, one of those being that the DC, the disc golf pro tour all-star break. And um, I'm excited to see it just because it's, it's live disc golf. You know, I wish the format was going to be match play, um, especially after all the talks of the fourth major. Um, I would I would have been curious to see an exhibition match of just straight up match play between eight of the best players in their respective uh, divisions. But right now we're going to get some doubles matches. We're going to get some best shot doubles, some worst shot doubles. And then uh, Matt can probably explain this better than I can. But the way that your scoring works after the doubles matches is that is what you're left for the singles match. And yes. then you're going to do two nine-hole loops of the Fountain Hill Safari layout, and that's going to determine the all-star winner. So, so you gave I'm a excited. good – I think there's some incredible doubles teams. So totally Matt, gave right a, Yeah, you totally gave a good recap. So to recap what Nick just said, because he's stepping away from his microphone for a minute, not totally sure what's going on there, but this is the Nick and Matt show, so we hope he comes back. So to recap what he's saying there is that – there is a modified nine-hole layout at Fountain Hills. If you ever played Mount, uh, Fountain Hills before or watched it, 
it will not be that layout. They are extending pin positions to locations that they've never been, skipping T-pads, going from other T-pads to regular T-pin locations. Um, so it's different. They're only doing nine holes on what is an 18-hole property. So because of that, they're definitely, it's going to be harder as in to score, right? Um, so they're going to do doubles. They're going to do stroke play doubles, normal best disc doubles. Um, and we can talk about some of the matchups here in a minute when Nick comes back. But you're going to see like uh, Paul uh, Macbeth and Garrett Gurthy. You're going to see Paige Pierce with Heather Young. Um, you're going to see these matchups of doubles playing out on a two times around a nine hole modified loop. The first round, again, bestest doubles. The second round is something that we've never seen live streamed before, which is um, worst disc doubles. Now, if it's actually worst disc, which now I'm kind of confused on this, is that how they promoted it, Nick? Was it worst disc is how they promoted it? Yeah, I had heard that it was worst disc. It was best shot doubles and then worst shot doubles. The reason I ask... So. The reason I ask worst disc doubles is because worst disc implies that if one of the players hits a putt, the second player has to hit the putt because no, I'm pretty so, sure when you do worst disc doubles, if you hole out, the, the hole is over. Like I, I'm there. Pretty, there's I'm two different names to that. Sure. There's two different names, yeah. but it's, it's just semantics. But the idea is worst disc yeah. implies that, both would have to hole out because if one fell out, that'd be the worst disc. Yeah. But there's another, no, I think so, I can... someone can correct me maybe in the comments here, what that's actually called. I'm having a brain. Oh, tough, tough shot that there you that go. So tough yeah. shot is what would be considered. If someone holes out, uh, thank you. Southpaw. <laughs> if somebody holes out, then it's over. That's considered tough shot. So, but maybe they're not playing with the word game. Like we are, maybe they're going to call it worst disc and they're going to play it based off of the I'm... tough shot rules. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that the way that they're going to do it is if, you know, I think Paul and Garrett are uh, Paul McBeth and Garrett Gurthy are both partners. I think that if, you know, they're on hole two, they're putting for three, Garrett hits the putt, I'm pretty sure that the hole is over and they take a three on it. Um, Wouldn't that be interesting, I, though, in a lot of ways, yeah, if, if yeah, you know, then if, Paul if had to step to up out with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be incredible. <laughs> that'd be an insane. So twist. I don't know if I'd like that. What does this look like? Um, I don't know if you checked it out who the um, doubles matchups are, but let's just stick right now with Paul and Garrett. And I, is it Ricky and uh, Nico? I think that might have been the other one. Um, I'm curious to see. I want to. Uh, so is it probably on the Pro Tours Instagram? Page? Yeah, you can check it out. But here's where I'm going. Let's start with Paul and Garrett. What does that look like if you are playing doubles as them? Do you care at a pro level? At a pro level, do you care who drives first, who putts first, who putts second? Or do you just say, I'm top 10 in the world. It doesn't matter. Um, is Paul going to step up and say, hey, I'm going to throw, and I don't even want to use the word safe shot because Paul is throwing amazing shots that in safe. Yeah, right. Um, is he going to say, hey, I'm going to throw first and then Garrett, you can just go nuts and like try to throw like 150 feet further than me? Or is it like so not going to be that way? Yeah. So I think, I think with those two is, uh, I think for the professional, obviously they're smarter than all of us when it comes to disc golf and how to play a course, but you have two of the best backhand drivers that have ever played the game on the same team being Paul Macbeth and Garrett Gurthy. There's no doubt in my mind, Garrett Gurthy throws a backhand is one of the most incredible backhand throwers in the game. 
I mean, he aced a par four at Vegas, which is absolutely insane. Um, the dude can throw a rock further than I can throw a nuke. So he does incredible things. The only thing that he struggles with is putting in his forehand. But at the same time, you have Paul McBeth as a partner, partner who is one. He's an incredible forehand player, and he's one of the best putters in the world. So I think for drives, they're not really too worried about who goes first, who goes second, who's doing safe, who's doing you know, who's doing aggressive, because honestly, at that caliber of play, those are stock shots. If someone's trying to lay up a hyzer in the middle of the fairway, that's a shot that they'll hit 10 times out of 10. So I think both of them are going to be able to play aggressive with each other. I just think that Paul is obviously going to carry the putting green. And, you know, other than that, I don't think they're too worried about who's going first, who's going second, like you and I would worry about Matt. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling as well. I mean, if 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 uh, yeah if especially if it's worst shot and paul holds out i don't think there's any pressure on garrett it's over but if they do the tough shot it'd be really interesting um to see how the pressure would be so i don't know the exact details um of that but here's you're not wrong then they're going to go they're playing stroke play bestest then they're playing worstest then here is the twist that i feel like earlier or last week we talked about the major turning into a circus show I feel like this event, while it is yeah. while it is an exhibition round and not a major, I feel like all of a sudden taking your doubles and saying, okay, that's the score for your doubles team, but now it becomes your individual score. So if Nick, you and I shot a 54, tomorrow we compete each other against each other with that 54 as our starting place. we both place. start at 54. So no matter what Paul and Garrett shoot, they're starting at the same score on the final day. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I don't really know hundred percent how I feel about it yet. I think if I thought about it a little bit more, I'd have more of an answer to it. But right now, I guess that just makes you want to play the best that you can play during your doubles matches because you're going to be competing. I guess technically Paul's the one seed Garrett's the eight seed. So you know, maybe Paul has the advantage over Garrett when it comes to the singles match, you know, the single stroke play. I would assume that's how it is. I, I think that he has more of an advantage. So whether they both start at the same score or not, it's kind of like they're starting at zero and they're playing one round of stroke play. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my understanding of why I did see a report or an article that um does talk with Jeff Spring and Jeff implies or says directly i don't remember which way that more or less they wanted to be able to have all players be in contention and not eliminated meaning round two everybody that started in the beginning is still there enjoying a second round as opposed to having someone eliminated now to me I'm not going to say it's participation trophy sounding, but it kind of is. I get its exhibition. It is. Okay, Nick, you said. It. Yeah, it is. I get its exhibition. Like, so in some in some ways, I think, well, yeah, let's show everybody. Let's show everybody both days. Like, let's show off. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be fun. I want to see what everybody can do. And it does make day two maybe a little more exciting in some ways, but not at the end of this, you're not going to determine who the best player was. It's just for fun. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's definitely an exhibition match. It's an all-star weekend. It's made for fun things. I know Jeff and the Pro Tour next year want to make it so that, let's say, the top 32 competitors in each division are participating in this. And I think there's going to be more field games. Like, you know, if you take the 
the NBA All-Star break. You have the skills game. You have the three-point contest. You got the dunk contest. And at the end of it, you got the All-Star game. So I think eventually a lot more pros are going to be included in everything to where the weekend is worthwhile going to it. I know that one of the reasons that they're not doing the match play this year is that people had kind of had a sour taste of, well, if I do match play the first day and I get knocked out, then what the heck am I supposed to do the rest of the weekend? Um, you know, it is what it is. It sucks. People got to figure out the schedules and everything like that. And uh, I get it. But at the same time, I don't really like that attitude, that kind of like mentality towards it. I think if you're selected as an all-star and you're given a chance to compete, I guess, you know, I would say that anyone would want to compete in the match play tournament at an all-star weekend. And it's unfortunate that some people didn't want to do it in a match play setting, but it is what it is. I know that next year, whatever happens this year, it's going to be 10 times better next year. So, yeah. So I think I was just going to say, what do we want it to look like in wrapping up the conversation tonight? I think an exhibition style um, skills challenge of sorts, guys, yeah. if you haven't seen, and I'm just going to go ahead and <laughs> advertise it now. If you haven't seen the Nick and Matt show augmented reality disc golf game that we did um, in, I don't, what was it a month or two ago? We posted, uh, yeah, it probably like November, December, something like that. I think seeing something fun like that, like CTP challenge with points, like head to head mm -hmm. Paul versus Ricky would be just amazing. Uh, throw through the field goal post for points. Like I, I, I think that would be super fun to watch. Um, putting yeah. challenges yeah, head to head, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You and I have talked about doing a field games style tournament before. And I think that there's incredible things that you could do with that. I think, you know, a putting competition between the pros would be incredible. Just have every pro start out at 15 feet. You get points from 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, and just do it. So everyone is in the same conditions, you know, throughout the day. Um, I think, yeah, like you were just saying, CTP challenges, uh, hyzers, anhyzers, flicks, or forehands, everything like that. Um, I think there's a ton of things that they could do. I know that Jeff had more expectations for this in the sense, but COVID has kind of been derailing everything that disc golf has been trying to throw at it. <laughs> and uh, yeah. fortunately we're able to even have an exhibition match like we are. I know it's going to be fun. I know the pros who are going to play it are going to play to win it. So uh, I'm excited to watch it. I think watching some live disc golf again is going to be great. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited to be in Vegas the week after, especially. Yeah, you're going to be on the road a little bit. So just to put it out there for our listeners, like there will be some some yep. tournaments Nick's hitting up where the shows may or may not happen that week, whether he's live on the ground. We can do judge that disc golfer with Nick walking around and find players on yeah. the course. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll find someone. I know there's a uh, <laughs> his name's Andrew. He's an underground teammate of mine. Maybe I'll uh, hit him up in Vegas and we can do a judge that disc golfer with him and then It'll be so beyond unedited. It won't be good like it is with Matt doing it because it's me no. sending it in. But um, no, so I think for the uh, for the week of Vegas, I I'm going to leave for Vegas, Arizona, and Texas. And so I think for the week of Vegas, we're going to take off a week from the show. And then Arizona, I'm not playing that event. I'm actually probably just going to be helping out Discraft and probably just going to be practicing because I'm really looking forward to playing Waco. And so more than likely, I will uh, I'd love to do an episode that week and kind of talk about hopefully I can have the winner of the Las Vegas challenge, MPO and FPO, maybe have them on the show that week with me. That'd be pretty sweet. And then um, during Waco, I probably once again won't do a show. And then the week after that, I'll be back and hopefully I'll actually be working with a different studio. 
not 100 percent sure yet but that is kind of a plan that hopefully <laughs> Again, is happening soon. lights I'm, you I'm you're very excited for our audio listeners not a big deal but your video is getting a little laggy for a little bit i did a re- refresh on this side i think we got you back on like as in like cool. lined cool. up but are you excited yeah. about disc golf this year i'm just now just in the show even getting that feeling of just like disc golf is about to start like obviously we've seen um adam hammis win some events and things of that but that's like i I consider that like off season so like Mm, i i feel like it's just right around the corner and now we're going to get live streamed content with more cameras than previous years of every tournament i I can't wait um people in the chat right now just shouting this out to you nick they said oh i see you're going to go pick a friend of yours to do judge that disc golfer. So that way you can win for once. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. If I, if I'm interviewing the person, don't worry, it'll be Matt playing against, you know, maybe we'll do the chat that night or whatever, Wh- whoever it is, I won't be cheating on this one or, or, you know, maybe I have him text all the answers to Matt. Maybe I have someone else take the video and then I do compete against them. Who knows? But, uh, no, nah, Matt, to be honest, I'm, I'm super excited for disc golf this year. I'm super excited to play. Uh, I was actually, I did the party podcast last night. We recorded at the Macbeth's house. So be, be ready for that. It's going to be an incredible podcast with Christine Jennings and Hannah Macbeth. They do the party podcast, uh, with the disc golf network. Paul and I kind of answered some questions about the upcoming year and some things that have been going on in everyone's lives. Wait, you but, re- uh, you record in a closet with the party. Po- I saw Instagram. Yeah. I saw an Instagram. Yeah, no, no, like, no, so yeah, I, was, I don't I make you be in a closet. Mickey Mouse ears. Uh, yeah, I don't make you be in a closet on the Nick and Matt show. No, nah, unfortunately, you 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 treat me very well, Matt. But uh, <laughs> just nah, back to what I was saying. Yeah, um, I'm very excited for this year. I've actually I said it last night on the podcast. I've taken more practice putts in the last probably three weeks than I did all of last year, um, which putting for me has been one of the most inconsistent parts of my game. And I'm finally at a point where I actually feel very consistent, uh, just putting down in the basement, putting in the garage and even putting outside. I'm more in line with the pole. I feel very comfortable putting from anywhere, you know, at pretty good distances. So I'm very excited. I'm very hopeful for what the 2021 season has in store. I'm excited to get out on the road to prove myself and I'm excited to do it locally as well. So disc golf this year, I think is going to be incredible. I'm excited for things going on with the Nick and Matt show. I think this is going to be the best year ever for it. And the biggest part about that is we appreciate anyone who has ever listened to the show, who is listening right now, who's listening tomorrow in their car or truck. Um, we really appreciate that, Matt. And I, I, I can't even begin to explain how much we appreciate We're getting that. super chats right now to Doc Zen, Travis Hawkinson. Thank you guys for your super chat. And I know I missed yeah. some earlier. Christopher, of course, <laughs> Narba. He yeah. always, oh, my man. the Kroners. My man. The Kroners are adding up. We do appreciate it. Um, We wouldn't have been here doing it this long. This is our first full year starting up into second season. We wouldn't have been here doing it this long without everybody's support. Um, We're getting ready right now to wrap up this week's show. Um, Nick, it's been interesting. You in uh, a bedroom, you know, not down in the studio with me. But as you mentioned, we will see things changing here in the near future. Um, exactly everybody well i'm not gonna say what nick always says <laughs> nick you get to say hey. what you always say all right sounds good hey everybody please like subscribe check out the videos check out previous videos that we have done uh give us a review on all the favorite podcast stations tell someone you love them this week we'll see you in the next one peace out everybody peace 
Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt Show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and to subscribe on iTunes.